The hour is late, and the moon is leering. If you feel as though you're being watched, you're right. Dangerous Times Radio Hour presents Phantasmagoria. Starring Bess Lawson as Gilly O'Hare. Megan Stressman as Rusty Rattlesnake. Philip Stressman as Florence Beauregard. And James Kettler as every other person, living or dead. We open in the lobby of the Myers Brothers studio office. Time seems to stand still for Rusty and Gilly as they have just come face to face with none other than Rudolph Myers Brothers himself. Mr. Rattlesnake, Miss O'Hare. Hello, Mr. Brother. Long time never see. That's not accurate. We have met a number of times. It's just a line I've been working on for, for my next movie. What can I do for the two of you making such a commotion in my lobby? Me? A commotion? Ah. My office is three <laughs> stories up and I could hear you from there. You know how my voice carries. I'm an actress. Yeah. You know, I just came down. I'm sure you were expecting me. There's a little discrepancy between the pay. I also have a few ideas for a next movie, so I thought we could just, you know, go up to your office and talk about it, catch up like friends do. Mr. Myers Brothers squints at you and takes the unlit cigar stump that he always has in his mouth out of his mouth and says, Why don't we head up to my office? Oh, wow, that worked. Let's go. We hear the rough scuff of Rudolph Myers Brothers' leather-soled shoes and the clickety-clack of Gilly O'Hare's heels echo and bounce off the walls of the stairwell as they march up three flights of stairs. Oh my God, they're jumping off the walls. <laughs> the sounds <laughs> jump off the walls. Parkour and away. As they, they invented that. <laughs> As they slowly ascend three flights of stairs to the office of Rudolph Myers Brothers. So, you know, I was thinking that for our next movie, I think that it should just be starring me and no one else. And then maybe my love interest should just be myself because it would be the most believable movie that I've ever done. And I think that I should have a dog in it and the dog would come with me everywhere that I went. And have Back to the lobby. Blossom takes her seat once again at the secretary's desk in the center of the room, where we find, still in the gangster costume that he took from Mary Beth Summers, our cowboy hero, Rusty Rattlesnake, and holding a powder puff, Florence Beauregard. All right, well, Gilly's up there with Mr. Meyer Brothers. I hope that she gets that raise that she wanted. Yes, that is why we all came here. That's why um, we came here. Blossom, if you will excuse us, uh, Adam, 
would you be so kind as to escort me to the ladies' room? Of course. And he holds out his hand, or like holds out his arm so that you can loop Yeah, your, Flo loops her, yeah. Her, um, her arm around Rusty's arm. I'm escorting you. Uh, Blossom, could you point us in the direction of the washroom, please? Uh, what? Oh, yeah, uh, just by the front door on the left side of the room, right by the front. Thank you. Okay. It's that big door that says washroom. You see it? Thank you. She's pointing at a big door that says washroom. I see that very clearly. Thank you. You are so helpful. My God, thank you so much. Uh And Blossom takes her seat. Flo holds eye contact with her for just one second. And then uh, she says, okay, Rusty. Uh, uh, Okay, Adam. Right this way towards the door that says washroom. Yeah, we're going to the washroom. Okay, just go with me. I got an idea. Oh, do you? Okay. uh, (laughs) Just let's walk and talk. We're walking and talking. We're walking and talking. What's your plan? Okay, so, uh, listen. We've seen a lot of in the past couple of days, right? Yeah. Magic is real, right? We decided that? Magic is totally real. Okay. I need you to come into this washroom with me. Okay. Uh, and Flo's gonna hurried, hurriedly pull Rusty into the bathroom with her. One person who's, like, scurrying about noticing notices the two of you disappear into the washroom at the same time. And just to themselves, they go like, oh, and then they keep walking and go about their business. Thank God. <laughs> it's a little afternoon delight. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we, uh, we, we pop in the washroom. Flo, like, slams the door behind them and latches it. Yeah, y'all enter uh, the washroom in the main lobby to find, uh, surprisingly for the number of employees who work here, a really small bathroom with just one turlet and a sink. Uh, because again, labor standards, not that great in the 1927s. Oh. 1927. Um, is the toilet one of the ones with the huge cord on the, the tank at the top that you have to pull? Yes, but like not in a fancy way. So like, yeah, oh. it does have like a big chain that you pull, but like the tank and like the pipes are all exposed, you know what I mean? And like the bowl isn't attached to anything. Oh, it's not cute. Yeah, it's not cute. And it's just like gray concrete in here and the concrete like seems to be damp, but you're not sure why or where that would be coming from. It's piss. And you feel- I'm going to try something. Okay. I used to do it in my axe before I came to Hollywood. I just need you to watch the door. Okay. And guard my body. Guard your body? What are you going to do? And we cut to a flashback. (laughs) (laughs) We're in a small regional theater, sparsely attended. Uh, We see posters on the walls that say Phantasmagoric Florence Beauregard, One Night Only. And on stage, in long flowing robes, loads of costume jewelry, and holding a crystal ball, we see one, ever so slightly younger, Florence Beauregard. And speaking to her her modest audience, she says, um, For my next magical wonder, I will do whatever hu- every human being alive on Earth has always dreamed of. I will step out of my body to observe places far away and unknown to me using the magic of astral projection. Woo! Thank you. 
<laughs> now, if you will remember, one member of the audience was asked by our usher to place a cherished personal item in a locked box in a separate room before the show. It was me. Yes, thank you, sir. <laughs> Little we appreciate your participation. You're welcome. Do you need another book so you can see over the seat in front of you? Are you seeing the show okay? I No, I'm okay. Okay. <laughs> Here, it's all right. I'll move out of his way. Oh, that's very kind of you. Thank you. <laughs> Every night that I do one of these performances, my faith in human nature is restored by the goodness and intelligence of my audience. Woo! Now, for those who are weak of stomach, I suggest you may turn away. And Flo sets the crystal ball down, and she holds up a stage dagger, a blunted stage dagger. Uh, and in her other hand, we see um, from her perspective, hidden to the audience, is a little fake blood bag palmed in her other hand. And she says, um, the spirits demand a blood sacrifice Ooh. for magic this powerful. Timmy, it's okay. Oh, Stick with me. spooky. <laughs> <laughs> Once my blood is released into this place, the circle is made and the words are spoken. Do not fret. I may seem to die before your very eyes, but it is only because my corporeal form remains here as my astral form travels elsewhere. And now we begin. And uh, Flo uses the stage dagger and um, we see from the audience perspective is like blood oh. comes out of her hand and she smears it in a circle around herself on the floor. Three members of the audience puke. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, Flo then um, says, Denizens of the spirit world, guide me, let me see with your vision, places unknown. And then she like death drops onto the floor. <laughs> and we cut back to now. <laughs> no, we linger there for a second oh, okay. as Flo lays motionless on the floor for an extended period of time. Timmy's shaking. As her modest audience just kind of looks around at each other. Is, is she, she okay? Is she going to be getting up anytime soon? I don't know. <laughs> then she shoots back up moments later <laughs> and she says, I have seen it. The object has become clear to me. It is a uh, cartoonishly small single crutch. Yeah, that's mine. I need it back. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and now we cut back to the bathroom. Okay, Rusty, like I said, just guard the door mm -hmm. and guard my body. I'm doing it. I'm going to be as quick as I can. All right. I'm just going to pop on down there. Pop on down where? Into the basement. Well, how? Through. Are you going to knock down the the floor? No, I'm going to astral project. What the, You're going to astral what? Yeah, uh, so I might. it might look like I'm dead, but oh my God. just stick with me, okay? All right. Okay, so Flo quickly uh, reaches into her handbag and pulls out her 38 special revolver. Mm -hmm. uh, she like flips it in the air real quick and uh, it catches it by the barrel uh, and then lifts it up like a hammer and smashes one of the tiles uh, on this bathroom's tile floor into pieces. Uh, and then she grabs the biggest one of these like jagged pieces of tile and slashes into the palm of her left hand. Ugh. That's you nasty. That's not hygienic flow. There's it's, piss on the floor. It's piss <laughs> on the floor. <laughs> hmm. it's okay. Flo looks at the piss <laughs> and looks at her hand and it. then shrugs and smears a circle on the floor <laughs> of blood around herself. Yeah. 
And she says, uh, uh, Rusty, when I get back, can you remind me to wash my hands? Absolutely. Okay. And Flo sits cross-legged in the circle, and she uh, holds her arms at her side. And uh, just as she did in her performance all those months ago, I don't know. Uh, a year or so ago. <laughs> she, she takes a deep breath, and she says, uh, okay, let's, uh, let's see what happens. You got this. De- Deniz- denizens of the spirit world? De- mm. Denizens of the spirit world, I ask you now to see through your eyes. Allow me to move through the veil beyond the palace of flesh and inhabit the ephemeral walls of the astral plane. And I'm going to roll to use magic. Let's see how this goes. Ooh. That is going to be a Plus 14. Your... Holy yes. shit. Flow. You smear your blood on the piss-covered ground <laughs> around you. If I had a dollar. <laughs> and you speak the words, and uh, you would expect to feel a warmth from the blood running out of the wound, and yet you feel a chill, and you feel that chill start to spread from your hand through your arm, and it begins to fill your chest. And then you begin to feel a lifting sensation. Like you're feeling lighter and lighter and lighter. And after just a second, you find yourself staring at the back of your own head. Mm -mm. Ooh, I need a touch up on my neck. Rusty, from your perspective, what you see is Flo reads those words and then you see her eyes uh, roll back into her head and her eyelids flutter and then her eyes close and she is still. I think Rusty is like, the fuck? And is like looking at Flo and like crawls over to where she is and tries to like check her pulse and stuff because he's never seen anything like that. Who would, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Just a little worried. And you, what are you, you tell me what you're doing. You rolled oh, the 14. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Let's fucking get it. Uh, okay, so Flo, Flo is uh, for a moment transfixed by her for lack of a better word, out-of-body experience. Ooh. Um, And so I think uh, in ghost, in astral form, she's going to rise up to her feet and kind of make a slow circle around herself and Rusty and just observe this moment. She looks at herself and she looks at Rusty and she watches Rusty come over and kind of tenderly lift up her arm and check her pulse and she's actually uh, weirdly a little bit touched by the amount of care that Rusty is showing for her. But then that feeling immediately causes her to panic and shove it as <laughs> deep down inside of herself as possible. Love me! Uh, <laughs> um, and she says uh, to herself, okay, guess that worked. Or I've had some kind of terrible neurological event. But <laughs> just gonna err on the side of that worked, and okay, uh, basement, basement is down, and she shrugs and she plugs her nose and puts a hand above her head and slides down through the floor.
We cut from Flo's ghostly form descending through the floor of the washroom up, up, up to the top office of the building where Gilly O'Hare sits with one Rudolph Myers Brothers. The office of Rudolph Myers Brothers, when we last left it, was a complete fucking mess. But today, almost miraculously, it's completely spotless, and there is no sign that Flo, Rusty, and Gilly trashed it save for two things. One, visible to Gilly, is the hole in the drywall where Rusty drove a knife to pin the note that they knew about Cliff. (laughs) Damn straight. The second thing, not immediately noticeable to Gilly, but noticeable certainly to our audience, who I think maybe on screen there's like a a dotted outline kind of uh, blinking in and out where this object used to be. The placard bearing Rudolph's name that normally resides on his desk is no longer there. Gilly, when she walked in, immediately just grabs a piece of paper off of his desk and a pen Mm -hmm. and sits down and begins writing. And she says, Okay, now I wanted to wait until I could do this with you to make sure you felt included and appreciated. So here we are going to write down every minute that I am owed money for and also all the times that Cliff was required to be on set and was not there. So let's start with the very first day of set. So, Gilly, as you lay out your uh, list of grievances with Rudolph... I'm writing it now. Yeah, you're writing it out, but you're also speaking it out loud to him mm-hmm. as you write. Uh, he looks, like, in your general direction, but, like, not at you. You know, just a little bit past you. Mm-hmm. Uh, never blinking. Always sitting with his hands clasped in front of him, resting on the desk, and he just waits for you to finish talking. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> And when finally you need a moment to catch your breath, he takes the cigar stump out of his mouth once again. Are you ever going to finish that? No. Okay. I try not to smoke anymore. Hmm. I just like the habit. Miss O'Hare. Correct. uh, You've certainly given, uh, given the studio a lot to think about today with all your ideas. You know, I just care too much. Everyone says so. And I must say, I'm very happy that you came down to my office and saved me a trip to set to give you the news. What news? Well, and he puts the cigar stump back in his mouth. Me and the board have been looking at the dailies coming from the shoot, and uh, we're just not so sure that the chemistry between you and Cliff is really working out on this picture. I must say, this is the first I've heard of this. (laughs) (laughs) So, I wanted to do the courtesy of letting you know that we have begun our search for you know a what? Let me just stop you right there. Lead I have an idea about the next movie, not the one that I told you about coming up the stairs, but the one after that. And if you would like, which I'm sure that you would, I will recite a monologue that I've written for that right now. Okay, picture it with me. No, I don't want to wait. We're in a small town in Kentucky. (sighs) I'm just a lonely farm girl working for my parents on the farm because I'm a farm girl. Rudolph closes his eyes. And we had chickens and goats (laughs) and cows and two dogs 
and five birds, not chickens, they're inside, and three cats, and one mouse that we have to keep away from the cats because they don't get along, and my mama doesn't like me sometimes because I don't do any of my work on the farm. We cut from Gilly's pitch for this wonderful children's fantasy film that she will star in into a block of solid rock where the astral form of Florence Beauregard slowly descends. So Flo, you, because uh, you just went straight down through the, f- the floor of the washroom, you didn't actually like go out to the lobby and go down Sure the door it. that you knew to look for. Mm-hmm. So we're just getting that like cart, like your view is just that like cartoon cross section of the earth. Like you're passing like a random animal skeleton every now and yeah. again. Ooh, an Ankylosaurus. <laughs> and you continue to descend down, down down until your view finally changes from beautiful marbled layers of rock and sediment to an open cavernous area. So as soon as you kind of drop out of the ceiling of this place, the Mm -hmm. first thing you see in front of you is this whole place is a long, narrow tunnel. And at the other end of the tunnel, you can make out an archway with some stone stairs leading up. So presumably that is the entrance that leads to the lobby of the building. Flo. Uh-huh. <laughs> As you continue to just kind of um, look up and around and take in the room around you, you look about you and admire the craftsmanship of the beautiful archway all through this cavern that's essentially been carved out of solid frickin' rock. But it's clearly, like, man-made, like it's not a natural formation? correct. Okay. Yep, absolutely. There aren't bricks put in anywhere, but it's got, like, kind of a brick pattern, like, carved into it, you know what I mean? Sure. Like someone carved the lines in all through this chamber. And as you're looking around, admiring the chamber, you feel something, almost like a shift in the air. This is your first time astral projecting, so like you don't have a lot of things to compare this experience to. You just know that like between when you were in the washroom for a minute and coming down here, something's changed, and you feel it's almost like an itch, like there's just a little like pinprick at the back of your head, and you can feel the hairs raise up on the back of your neck, and it almost feels like you're being watched. Flo's going to whip around and look behind herself, I think. And then she spins a couple of extra times because she's uh-huh. not used to whipping around in astral form. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And has to sort of like slow down and stop herself like a top. Yeah. So you whip around and you spin too hard and uh-huh. begin spinning in circles. And while you're spinning, you find that that feeling never leaves the back of your head. Like mm. that feeling is like Mickey Mouse's ears. Wherever, it doesn't matter what way you're facing, it's always in the same spot. Okay. Have you never noticed that about Mickey Mouse's ears? Yeah, but it's always upsetting to think about. (laughs) Yeah. But when you finally come to a stop facing 180 degrees from where you were facing originally, again, you find nothing there. You still just feel constantly, no matter what way you're facing, this, this presence, like there's someone or something just shadowing behind you while you're in this room. Also, 
As you finally come to a stop, facing the other way, deeper into this chamber, you notice something that distracts you from that itch in the back of your head, the feeling of that presence. And that's all of the bones on the ground. Hmm, those don't look like ankylosaurs. (laughs) (laughs) Ankylosauruses. Yeah, you find... So you find that you have basically come through the ceiling like in the direct center of this passageway. Mm-hmm. Um, and f- basically from the point of where you're standing, there is an increasingly large trail of he- clearly human remains leading into the biggest opening in this cavern. So this is one long, narrow passageway that leads to a, a final room. At the end of the chamber, the way you're now facing, the room kind of opens up, the ceiling goes a little bit higher, and there's a big, round, open area. Bones and bones and bones leading up to it until the bones adorn the walls all around this chamber. And seated directly in the center of this chamber is something that you recognize immediately because you for sure used a mock-up of it in all sorts of your stage shows. It's a pedestal for a big, fancy, leather-bound book. Ooh. Flo is going to... So she just floats down this trail of bones Mm -hmm. towards this chamber. Her astral mouth dry with tension and anticipation. Yeah, so you float into the chamber and you gaze up at the elaborate crisscrossings of all the skulls and bones that have been embedded into the stone walls of this chamber. Catacombs kind of a situation. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And you walk up to the pedestal to find it empty of whatever large old tome would normally rest there. Okay. This is all very spooky. Almost kind of like a little theatrically spooky. It's like, you have to put all the bones in the walls and stuff. Like, what's, who's that for? As you take in your surroundings in this new chamber, you feel that pinprick again on the back of your head like someone's watching you. But this time, whatever it is presents itself. And you hear... Miss Beauregard? Present? Uh, you, you can turn around. I'm just back here. Blow turns around slowly. Looking as though they are also astral projecting, appearing much the same as you look right now, floating a couple inches off the ground in front of you. You see a young person in a paperboy hat and suspenders that you may or may not recognize, you tell me, <laughs> as Maddie the intern. Yeah. Miss Beauregard. Oh no, did they get you too? Maddie? The intern? Yeah, hi. I uh, assume you're not astral projecting down here. Who's a what now? No, I um, I, I think I'm, I think I'm, I think I'm, I think I'm dead. I, th- I think I died. You're dead. Yeah, I think so. Flo's astral face 
remains completely expressionless. But we cut inside of Flo's mind, and we see a spotless, empty, unadorned 1927 kitchen. (laughs) In the center of that kitchen is a gas range. Mm -hmm. And the only thing we hear is the steady sound of leaking gas. And then we cut back, and Flo says, uh, what happened to you? Well, I'm not really sure. I I was leaving set the other day. I was the last one there because I had a million things to do, like I always do. And I left the set, and I started to walk home, and I heard these footsteps behind me, and I started to turn around, and then I woke up here. And I woke up like this. Flo's going to scan around this room real quick and see if she sees Maddie's corpse lying around on top of the old bones. You scan all of the skulls and bones embedded into the walls, and you find one up into your left of where you're standing or where you're floating right now uh, with a paperboy cap still on its head embedded into the wall. So it's fully a skull already? Yeah. Okay. Flo says, uh, you don't, you, did you see anything? The face, like the smell, the scent, like any of you, the five senses that were available to you when you were alive, anything? Well, yeah, I did hear him say something right before, or right after I started to turn around and I couldn't, I couldn't see anything, but, but I heard, I heard him, I heard him say, I'm so sorry. I'm so hungry. And the voice, it sounded so familiar, but I couldn't, I couldn't see anything, so I couldn't place it. Yeah, it was Cliff Brockton, probably. <laughs> oh my God, it was! It yeah, was Cliff! It's, it's Cliff Brockton. He's been eating <laughs> dead people, I, I, so he probably, you know, it's just the next step, I guess. What? Wait, wait. He, are you? Yeah, he's a ghoul. He's been eating dead people out of the graveyard. So, so are you saying he, he ate... He ate me. I think he ate your body, yeah. He ate me, and he killed me, and he, he ate me, and now I'm Hopefully in that order. Dead. Sounds like in that order, because you don't have any memories of being horribly eaten and then blackness, so, you know, that's a, that's a plus. Uh-huh. But where, what, where am I now? Why am I stuck here now? Are you stuck here? Have you tried to leave? Yeah. I can't get up the stairs. I oh. stop at the, en- ed- at the exit of this room. We tried to float up through the ceiling? Yeah. Hmm. I hit it like it's a regular ceiling. All right, Maddie. That's a problem. I would say so. This I don't want to be creepy. here anymore. It sucks. Yeah, yeah I, I don't, don't want to like be it. here either. I don't like it at all. I don't like it either. Are you going to help me get out? I feel like a spider's going to fall on my head. A spider falls on your head, but it just goes through you. I <laughs> <laughs> starts spinning around, not in like a clean circle like before, but just all haphazard. <laughs> Like a, uh, what do you call those things you launch on the table? Beyblade? Beyblade! Yeah, like a Beyblade that flew <laughs> off the table. Launch on the table. Rusty. Oh, yeah, hey. what is Rusty doing? <laughs> we cut back <laughs> to the washroom where Flo's motionless body still sits on the piss covered floor, <laughs> guarded by an armed Russell Rattlesnake. Don't call me Russell. <laughs> he said to the narrator. <laughs> Rusty's just like, 
got his Tommy gun strapped across his front, and then he's got his lasso in his hand, and he's lassoing around his body like, you know, like what you would do with a hula hoop when you like spin it around your neck and your torso and your legs. So he's like doing that to his body, and then he'll like take it up, and then he'll do it like around Flo's body and like get close <laughs> to the ground and then let go up. He's got really good control with this lasso. So he's practicing that, and then he's practicing like turning really fast with his gun. So he, you see him like rip that thing in front of his body and be like, Phew. Has anyone knocked on the door? No. Suddenly, oh. <laughs> there's a knock on the door. Bess? Oh. <laughs> it's just me. I don't. I don't actually need to go that bad. <laughs> uh, hello. Is someone still in there? Y- yes, I'm in here. Okay. I got a big poop. I'm taking. You got a problem with that? Uh, I. <laughs> I don't have a problem with it. I just go use the other one. There isn't another one. Go outside. I don't care. Oh, but I really need no. to go. I've got to get back to my pitch meeting. No. I've got a really great movie idea. I have poop coming out of my butt as we're talking. I'm not getting up. <laughs> just Over a- my dead body. <laughs> <laughs> I need you to take some. You don't even want to come in here like. I can't even believe that you can't smell it out there. (laughs) I need time. I'm picturing like, you know, when something stinks on TV and you see the little like squiggly lines is like going through the office. Yeah, you hear this person outside the room say like, yeah, he says he's he's taking a really big poop. I don't know, he says he can't believe that we can't smell it. It sounds bad. I don't, maybe I should... Okay, I'm just going to go outside. That is what I suggested. <laughs> okay, I feel better. Thanks, I'll be in here for I don't know how long, but don't come back. Okay. Tell everybody <laughs> to not come here. Okay. Hey, everybody. <laughs> hey, there's someone in the bathroom, and they're dealing with some really personal stuff, and I think we should all just... Thank you. <laughs> we cut back to the creepy creepy concrete catacombs beneath the office as we rejoin Florence Beauregard and Maddie the, the yeah they're still an intern Maddie the intern yeah, whatever you, your job death. is when you die that's your job as a ghost oh yep. my god yep Flo says um Maddie have you uh since you've been down here uh-huh have you seen anyone or anything coming or going not yet but I've only been here since like I don't know, yesterday-ish? Time's weird. I can't see the sun rising or setting, and also I'm dead, so like it's hard to keep track of time. What about this weird pedestal? Oh, looks like a book goes there. Okay, terrific. As <laughs> You are as helpful now as you were when you were alive. Thanks! <laughs> um, any other ghosts? No, you're the first one I've seen. Did Cliff eat you too? Not yet. Oh. And with your help, not never. Okay. Yes. What? Yes. Nep. Not ever. Yes. Never. What can I? What can I do to help? Good news, Maddie. Yeah. Unfortunately, because you're dead, you can't be an intern on the movie anymore. <laughs> oh darn! <laughs> but I have no such compunctions about employment with me. Congratulations, you've been promoted to my personal assistant. <laughs> Gee golly jeepers, Miss Beauregard. Okay. The first thing I need you to do. Just to demonstrate for me so I can see what you're doing wrong. Okay. Try to fly up to the ceiling and get out of here. Okay. 
and Maddie uh, shoots up like a rocket towards the ceiling, and then there's like a cartoon bonk sound effect as they hit it. And they go, ow, and hold their head. Okay. Try it one more again, but this time as hard as you can, and think in corporeal thoughts. Wait, think in space corporeal thoughts, or? No, think in corporeal thoughts. Think like you, you, think like in your mind. I want you to picture steam okay. going under a door. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> and they fly up towards the ceiling again, and same thing. That one hurt more. Probably because I hit it in the same spot and also I was flying faster. Well, good news. It won't kill you. Hmm. Okay. Thank you for trying that. Here's your next assignment. Okay. I want you to stay down here in this creepy tomb. Can do. And I want you to keep your eyes, ears, nose, etc. open. Okay. I want you to observe. See who's coming and going. See if maybe a book shows up. See if some other dead bodies come down here. Okay. I want you to keep very close observation of everything that occurs in this space. Okay. And I'm going to come back down and check up on you. Okay. When? I don't know, like a day or two? But I'm also, listen, I'm going to try and figure out how to get you out of here. Okay? Okay. Well, I can't bring you back to life, probably, but at least you can float around and, like, you know, see the sights or whatever. Okay. That sounds great. Or get me coffee. We'll figure it out. Okay. Okay. I can do this. Terrific. I can do this. And they uh, float through the air and then float down just behind the pedestal and then just peek out of it like they're physically hiding behind it. They look at you and they go, shh, and then they duck back behind the pedestal. Okay. Flo rolls her eyes and then <laughs> uh, floats back up to the ceiling uh, to rejoin her body. Yeah. You, unlike uh, Maddie, float up through the solid stone ceiling with ease. Uh, you float up, 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 back past all those Ankylosaurus bones in the dirt. I'm going to name you Annie. Annie Ankylosaurus. Back. We're friends. <laughs> Made a lot of dead friends today. <laughs> yeah, you say that and then like the ghost kind of manifests like from the bones and like a 3D image, like a 3D hologram like turns to face you in the solid rock and just goes like, and then turns back and disappears. Back at you, Annie. <laughs> uh, and you float up, 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 back through the piss-soaked concrete floors of the washroom and gently descend back into your body, forming the same pose that your body is stuck in. Your eyes pop open, mm -hmm. and you've rejoined the plane of the living. Yeah, Flo uh, opens her eyes. I, uh, I think before they pop open, she's going to just open them just a little bit and take a peek and make sure Rusty's still here. Um, I'm singing. I'm a cowboy and I like my horse. His name is Applesauce and I do stunts. Do, 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 do. And I do a lot of them, and I'm good, better than the rest. I have I returned tried. from beyond the veil. <laughs> Rusty, oh that God. song was beautiful. What? What? You heard my song? My you singing? Like Roy Rogers. You like a singing cowboy? Oh my God! Thank you. Are you? And then uh, Rusty like grabs Flo's 
tiny little head. <laughs> Are you? You're alive. Like you're all my head, you can bend my glasses. Well, it was just weird. I was just sitting here in the bathroom with like your lifeless body for like 40 minutes. And people kept banging on the door and I had to pretend like I was pooping. And so I'm just happy to see that you're back because I didn't know how much longer I could say that I was pooping, honestly. Yeah, that bit usually only works for like max 20 minutes. Yeah. But and they start, they call a doctor in. Well, no one called doctor. They didn't care. All right. Terrific. Yeah. What'd you see down there? Uh, let's grab Gilly and regroup elsewhere, and I will fill you in. Okay, okay. This place is spooky, and I would like to leave. All right. Why don't you just, like, head out to the car, and I can go up to the office and just do a little quick knock and release uh, Gilly? Okay. All right. Give me the keys. I'm not falling for that, no. Florence. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> Flo is going to throw open the door to the washroom mm-hmm. and take one step out into the lobby. And say, um, You're gonna say something? <laughs> Woo wee! It sure stinks in here. Someone else was pooping for a very long time. I gotta get out of this whole building! And she's gonna leave. <laughs> Rusty just like puts his hands to his temples and rolls his eyes and just takes a step out that door, doesn't make any eye contact with anybody, <laughs> and then just, like, heads to the stairs. Rusty, as soon as you step out the door to the washroom, you see a man in a short sleeve button-up shirt with a bow tie on and a slick middle part in his hair with a pencil tucked behind his ear and spectacles, just gripping the front of his pants and doing the pee pants dance. And as soon as you get out of the washroom, he brushes past you and says, oh my goodness, thank you, and slams the door. (laughs) Rusty is too embarrassed to say anything back, and so he just beelines it, is that a phrase, beelines it, Mm -hmm. to the stairwell that Gilly and Mr. Myers' brothers took to get to his office, and he jaunts up the staircase. Our camera follows Rusty as he slams open the door to the stairwell before zooming in front of him and zooming all the way up those three flights of stairs through the door to Rudolph Myers Brothers' office where we rejoin his meeting with Gilly who is finally coming to the end of her movie pitch. Okay, so here we come to our final song and I haven't completed it yet but I'll just give you a little taste and she leans in and winks at the Meyer brother. Is a okay. is a tap number. Is Great. this a musical episode? Yeah, no, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't have any tap shoes, so Gilly is just she's bent down and just beating on the floor with her hands uh-huh. and singing a song. I am from Kentucky. My chickens like to clucky, and I am sad all the time. The sun goes up. The sun goes down. Each day is the same, and I'm losing my mind. (laughs) And then here's a dramatic death scene that I'm not going to explain right now because it might ruin it, and I really want to save it as a surprise. (laughs) And she falls (laughs) on the floor. So believable. Rusty, I think, catches the end of you and (laughs) just sees that part. (laughs) (laughs) And then Rusty pops his head and is like, Gilly, Miss Miss O'Hare, are you okay? Are you okay? And he like runs over and like grabs your head. Oh, I'm okay. I was just acting. God damn it, you're such a good good. actress. Yeah, I am. Well, are y'all done here? Um, You know, it's time for us to get 
back on set to do the thing, you know? You know what? Actually, we were just wrapping up. Thank you, Mr. Brother. I think that this was a very um, useful discussion, and I will be seeing you soon. Can't wait for my paycheck. And then Gilly's going to run out. I couldn't agree more, Miss O'Hare. Rusty looks up and sees, like, where he put that sign. Um, through that knife, and he sees that hole, and then he looks at Rudolph and tips his hat and says, Rudolph? Mr. Rattlesnake. Goodbye. Well, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, okay, wait a minute. Tell Miss O'Hare that she doesn't need to show up to set tomorrow. I didn't hear nothing. Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) And we make our way to our car. As y'all exit the front doors, it I assume... Run out the front doors. Speed walk, speed walk. Of the Myers brothers. Flo uh, is frantically trying to put the side mirror back on the car. What is that? What what happened to my side mirror? Uh, so, uh, I, so, somebody. Um, somebody what? I was trying to lean on the car and look cool before you came out, and I broke and it off. Broke it? Well, can you use your little magic to fix it? No. Magic doesn't work on cars. Oh. Man. I read that somewhere. <laughs> yeah. That's... No one can figure it out. They're too new. What? They haven't, all the wizard scientists haven't got the answers yet. Okay. Wait, so did anybody get into the basement? Oh, yeah. Get, let's, let's talk about this. Um, let's go to the trough. Let's, let's, let's have a little talk. All right. I'll just roll down my window and uh, keep my head out on the right side. I okay. call driver. We're not doing that again, Gilly. And away we go. We cut. To everybody's favorite bar in Cowboy Town. Yeah. The Trough, where the music is honky and tonk, and the drinks are plentiful. Hans, the bartender, stands at his post, faithful as ever, ready to serve y'all the finest whiskey that he made in the toilet last week. Oh, hello, friends. It's so nice to see you. Hey, Hans. Hello. All right. Uh, Can we have some whiskeys? Oh, oh, I see. Okay, yeah. Oh, it's like that. It's, I get it. Fine. I'm sorry. Yeah. Today's business oh, day. Oh, don't worry. I, old Hans would just fade into the background. No problem. Oh, Hans, we love you. Were you just... expecting a bunch of rapport every time? I thought we, we had something, but it's fine. It's we, fine. We do. It's fine. Don't listen to Flo. Listen, Hans, you're a breakout character and everything, but you can't eat up that much time every single episode. <laughs> <laughs> You think I'm a breakout character? Listen, oh, thank the, you so much. The okay, chatter on right. the street is all about Hans. Uh-huh. You're right. You're right. I should. I should. I should. Uh, 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 leave them wanting more. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Here's your whiskeys. He's Shit. poured them again. You never saw him stop polishing that glass, but the three whiskeys are just on the counter now. You're so good. And then Rusty grabs our whiskeys and then heads to our normal table in the corner. Yeah, then I came back into my body and I can still, I still feel like I have piss all over me. Like, I feel like I've been covering piss since I walked oh, out of that room. Sh- oh, That's man, disgusting. I forgot. Yeah, I forgot to tell you to wash your hands. Oh, all right. Damn Gilly it. pours her shot onto Flo's hands. There we go. Yeah, Flo Alcohol. rubs them together like it's hand sanitizer <laughs> and then uh, licks it off. Ugh. Mm, that was really gross, too. Hans, okay. we're going to need another round. <laughs> Y'all coming right up. All right, so. But yeah, I guess the poor kid's trapped down there. I mean, they're dead, but they're dead and trapped, which so, seems double bad. Can you bring the intern 
like temporarily back to life or anything, that would be really cool because then we could like spook Cliff and blackmail him. That would be cool, except I saw their little skull. Oh my God. Cemented into a wall. So I feel like bringing them back to physical life would be a torment of hell that I probably should not subject them to. Hmm. Also, I mean, Cliff is now killing humans beings instead of just eating dead corpses. Nah, Gilly, <laughs> you could be in real big trouble on set. I'm not afraid of him, but he is gross. He is gross. I don't think he would try anything in front of anybody. Unless the hunger takes over. We need to think about this. Let's give Maddie a couple of days. Meanwhile, we'll keep a tail on Cliff. If we catch him eating somebody alive, we save him at the last minute, and that's our proof. Then we set him on fire. And yep. Gilly slams her fist on the table. So I then agree. Set him on fire, sure. I think we're all on the same page. Terrific. Hans, yeah. line him up. And Hans once again manifests another round of whiskeys on the bar for the three of you. When suddenly you hear the distinctive sound of leather hitting the wood of the shutter doors and you hear the creak of the hinges as the music stops and every single cowboy in the place, who you now notice, they all seem to be sitting in roughly the same groups and poses as they always are, immediately falls into a hushed silence and glances over at the entrance, where you hear a voice say, Rusty Rattlesnake. Rusty rolls his eyes and turns around. What do you want? In the doorway, of the trough, shutters swinging behind them, you see Cheryl and Barley Bishops. And Barley says, You ready for the mission tonight, Russ? Ready as I'll ever be. Oh shit, I forgot. What do you mean? <laughs> you got your, hey, you got your steaks on you? Yeah. Got garlic on you? Uh-huh. All right. Yeah, we're ready. Mm. Listen, this is what you've wanted. You want revenge. You want to see these creatures. Tonight we have our opportunity to take down some. You're right. Let's get them. Let's get them. And, uh, Barley says, All right, cowpokes. Let's ride. Yeet! Yeet. (laughs) (laughs) You did it, Gilly. Times Radio Hour presents Phantasmagoria was edited by James Kettler and produced by Philip Stressman with additional sounds provided by Zapsplat.com Monster of the Week Tabletop RPG was written and created by Michael Sands Join us again next week for more Phantasmagoria and until then be chill and stay dangerous.